The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. And so if you haven't already, let me encourage you to open a Bible. And we are turning to Genesis 24. We are, are very much coming to the conclusion of the life of Abraham that we've been looking at in the year 2019. And uh, this chapter and the next one focuses on the next generation as, as Abraham passes from this life to the next. We'll see that in chapter 25. But for now, the, the focus has been on this question of what will become of Abraham's children and what will happen to the next generation. You know, because every church and uh, every gathering of faithful people has in mind the future and the next generation. Uh, churches are often concerned about the, the young people, the children, the, the young families and their children. What will become of them and how can we help them and how can we encourage them? Uh, we should remember that the church is, of course, multi-generational. There should be people here, uh, older and younger than you, hopefully, who are all in pursuit of following Jesus Christ as he has offered to us in the gospel and for that great story of the gospel and for that unfolding of uh, the story of Jesus, we see that long, long before Jesus was ever in the world, God was working out his purposes. And he was working out his purposes in and through especially this family, the family of Abraham. And that reminds us that the, the Bible is, of course, the story of individual people and their lives. But amidst the, the lives of those individual people, God is unfolding his great plan and purposes. And so these individual people are a part of God's great purposes throughout history. And the reason why I'm, I'm pointing that out is because uh, oftentimes I think it's easy for us to be focused on the reality of our individual lives without being reflective of the reality that God is working out his purposes and our lives are a part of that. That our individual stories are a big part of what God is doing in the big picture, the big story. And so the lives of Abraham and Isaac and Rebecca are a part of God's big story. And your life and my life are a part of God's big story. And we want to understand something of how that works together as we think about this mystery called providence. And so I hope that that we will see something of that together today. Let's first pray and we will ask God to bless the reading and hearing of his word. Father, we thank you that you are a God of holiness and a God of sovereignty and a God of providence. And even though those are all words that we may or may not think of, Lord, we thank you that you are our God. We thank you that you reveal yourself to us in the person of the Lord Jesus. And we pray now, Lord, that through your spirit, you would reveal yourself to us, that we might grow today, that we might grow in our capacity to trust you to obey you, to rejoice in you, to believe the things that you would teach us. And so now, Lord, in the power of your Spirit, illuminate our minds that we might read and learn and understand the things that you would teach us here. And so come now, Lord, for we are ready to hear, we ask in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. And now, hear God's word in Genesis 24. We're starting in verse 29, and, and we'll read the whole of this chapter, and, and there is something of a, a review from the previous uh, portion of the chapter, and yet uh, we'll, see, 
We'll see how God unfolds these events together. Genesis 24, starting at verse 29. Hear the word of God. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister. Thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free of my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethel, Nahor's son, whom Milcal bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the God, blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethel answered and said, This thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. And he also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, "'Send me away to my master.' Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. 
But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away, that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young woman arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahiroi and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. May he write its truth upon our hearts today. And uh, we should acknowledge, of course, that uh, courtship and dating and marriage looks much different today than it does here in Genesis 24. Nevertheless, there are certainly things that we must understand about what God is doing in the lives of his people. Uh, as we understand that, that Abraham has been concerned for his son Isaac, that after Isaac's mother Sarah dies, he wants his son to have a wife so that there will be a future generation to inherit the covenant promises of God. And that is the background for Abraham sending his servant off into Abraham's homeland to find a wife for Isaac. But I want us to understand maybe something of the story that's over top of the story. Uh, because last week we looked at some of the details in the account itself. Uh, but we use this word in the church, and pastors are especially to blame for these types of vocabulary words, but it, this is a word that I want us to, to consider today, and it's a word that I hope is in your vocabulary that you consider as well, because it's a word that people used to use all the time that we're not so mindful of anymore, and it's the word providence. Uh, what is providence, especially what is the providence of God. Uh, the word providence uh, breaks down to mean something very important, but it actually has a root uh, of the word vide, where we get the word video from. You watch a video. People don't use the word video to watch things anymore, but that word video means to watch. And the word providence literally means to see on behalf of. Providence means to see on behalf of. And you might use this phrase in, in our language. Some people use this, some people don't. They might say, uh, will you look into that? And they say, I'll see to that. I'll look into that or I'll see to that. And that, that, that concept of I'll look to that or I'll see to that is literally the sense of this word providence so that when we speak of God and his providence, providence is God's seeing to the universe. It is his looking to and seeing to and looking after his world and this creation. By providence, we mean the way in which God cares 
for what he has made, his seeing to the universe. Or listen to it in the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, God's providence is the almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby by his hand he upholds heaven and earth with all creatures and so governs them that herbs and herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yes, all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. And so the providence of God is God's fatherly care and looking after the creation and all those who live in it. And so your life is looked after by the providence of God. The providence of God is a daily reality for your life. And I want us to look at this story and especially the conclusion of it and ask, what does it look like to live in a world that is looked after by a sovereign God? What does it look like to live under the providence of God? How should you and I and Isaac and Rebecca be aware of the ways in which God is guiding our lives and looking after our lives? How does the fact that God rules and cares for this world by his providence change the way we live? And it should. So I want to suggest three things especially that should be a part of our lives as Christians because we live in a world that God is looking after by his providence. And the first thing is, is that we should be those who are trusting in a God of providence. That living under providence means trusting in the God of providence. And Abraham's servant in Genesis 24 shows us that living under providence means trusting in the God of providence. And the main thing that we want to understand about what this servant is doing as he is sent by Abraham into Abraham's homeland is that he goes trusting in God to fulfill his promise to Abraham. And the main way that this servant demonstrates his trust in God is through his prayers. Now, like I said, we, we find that this second half of the chapter is really something of a review of what has already happened. In fact, in verses 34 through 49, this servant has entered Laban's house, who is Rebekah's brother. And in Laban's house, the servant recounts everything that happened that led him to Laban's house in the first place. So he is, in a sense, telling you, the reader, what you already know because you've already read it. But Laban is hearing it for the first time. And what the servant is trying to do is to convince Laban that this servant's presence and his meeting of Rebekah and Rebekah's hospitality and her graciousness and her godliness and her willingness to have the servant into their home is all a part of what God is doing in order to provide a wife for Isaac. This servant sees the big picture and he's trying to have Laban understand what God is doing in this big picture, but this servant sees that his role is to trust God in the midst of it. The servant is saying to Laban that this is what I have prayed for. I prayed and God revealed your sister. I prayed and God provided this woman who was kind and gracious and hospitable. I prayed and God revealed his will. Laban responds to all of this in verse 50 by saying, this must be from God. Do you see it in verse 50 when he responds, this thing has come from the Lord. 
And it is something of this interaction of trying to understand what is God doing and what's his purpose. Laban is essentially trying to understand what is God's will in the midst of this situation. And whether it's this situation or another situation or whether it's any situation in your life, we're all trying to figure out what is, what is God up to? What is he doing? What is God doing in my life and what's he doing around in the lives of those around me? But for this servant, the way he was discerning all of those things was through prayer. I want us to see that prayer is the instrument of providence. Prayer is the instrument of providence. The servant is placing emphasis, look in verse 42 through verse 44, when he's talking about, I was praying. Verse 42, the servant says, I came today to the spring and I prayed, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, prosper me. He's emphasizing the fact that, that God is revealing his will through my prayers. And that brings up this issue that I think everybody has thoughts about. How does God's will relate to my praying? What is it about how God rules and governs the world through his providence that relates to what I pray for and the outcomes and how do these things fit together? Now, hopefully this is something that you've been thoughtful about. If not, here we find this servant reflecting on this reality that prayer is the instrument of providence. The servant understands, I'm trusting God and I'm looking to him for guidance and I've prayed and he has revealed his will and when he revealed it, I, I prayed in thankfulness. It should help us be reflective on the fact that your prayers do matter, don't they? The things that you pray for, the longings that you have, it's not so much that our prayers change God's mind about things. That's not the case. It's not the case that your prayers are the controlling reality of what makes things happen in the world. It's not that. It's rather the fact that for God's people, their faithful and trusting prayers are oftentimes the instrument or the tool or the means that God uses to carry out his providence in the world. That God uses your prayers and this servant's prayers to be the means through which God's providence is exercised. And so does the prayer, do the prayers of this servant matter? Absolutely. Do your prayers matter in the sight of God who rules according to his providence? The answer is yes, of course. Because God uses, if you remember it this way, God uses our asking to bring about his willing. God uses our asking to bring about his willing. Prayer is the instrument of providence here. And this servant has prayed and God has revealed his will. And not only does God reveal his will, but when the will is revealed and when God does this wonderful thing by providing Rebecca and the servant sees it, he responds with trust as well through responding to providence with praise. Look at verse 52. When Abraham's servant heard the words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. God has revealed his will and the prayer was a part of the instrument that God used to bring about the revelation of his will. 
The prayer mattered to bring about God's will. And when God's will was revealed, the servant responded with more prayer and thankfulness for what God is doing. And what this is showing us is as a man, this faithful servant, and it is something he's not even named. And yet he is a wonderful example to us of trusting in God who rules according to his providence. That because God rules this world by his wise providence, we can trust him. And turning to him in prayer makes sense. You know what wouldn't make sense? It wouldn't make any sense at all to pray for anything if God wasn't a God of providence. But because he is... And because he uses the instrumentality and the means of our prayers to bring about his willing, praying makes absolute sense and it shows trust. The servant prays and it provides this wonderful resort. And so, result. And the question is, 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 is how is God calling you to just trust him in your circumstance? How is God calling you to see him as the one who rules the world by his providence and calls you to trust him by means of your prayers so that he might reveal his will to you and explain perhaps or show you or grow you or nurture you or help you, whatever it might be, how is God calling you to trust him as the God of providence? This servant understands something of that and shows us that. But it's not only trusting and if you know the hymn that we're going to sing, of course, it is trusting and obeying. The second thing that we see is that living under a God of providence shows us that we must obey. Rebecca shows us that beautifully. Rebecca shows us that living under providence means not only trusting God, but obeying the God of providence. Essentially what's happening here is that Laban, Rebecca's brother, tells the servant, that's great, and Rebecca should go with you and, and, and go to the land of Abraham. You see, this isn't just some random occurrences because Abraham would have been known in his homeland. Rebecca knows of Abraham. Laban knows of Abraham. This is not just some strange occurrence here. They've, they've concurred that this is God's will and Laban says, yes, and Rebecca's mother says, yes, you should go. But then they change their mind. Well, let's wait. The day comes when the servant and Rebecca should go and they say, let's wait 10 more days. Verse 55, her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days, then, then she may go. But God has called. God has revealed his will that it is good and right that Rebecca go to the land of Abraham, go to the land of promise, go and be joined to the covenant family and Abraham's son Isaac. And so for as much as Laban tries to delay, they ask Rebecca, what do you want? Verse 57, let us call the young woman and ask her. What a great thing to ask Rebecca. What do you want? And do you see how she responds? The end of verse 58. It's three words in English, but it's actually just one word in Hebrew. She says, I'll go. Yes, I, I will go. What we see here is Rebecca in faithful obedience, trusting and obeying the call of the God of Abraham. You can imagine that Rebecca would have a million questions. What does Isaac look like? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? And you, 
can imagine all those questions are swirling in her head? Yes, and absolutely. But God has called her, and she embraces this call with obedience and says, I will go. And her family commits her. They bless her as she goes in, in verse 59 and 60. And actually, as you read verse 59 and 60, it's interesting that the way in which Rebecca's family blesses her is the exact same blessing that God gave to Isaac in chapter 22. It is as if to say that the blessing upon Rebecca and the blessing upon Isaac is a mutual blessing that they will share together as the next generation of covenant believers who will bring forth, verse 60, tens of thousands, the offspring of those who believe in God. Remember, God told Abraham that through him, he would have these generations of faithful believers. And the next generation was Isaac. And God told Isaac the same thing. There's going to be offspring and thousands after you. And he says the same thing to Rebecca, that through you, Rebecca, and through you, Isaac, the faithfulness of God will be displayed among the generations. And you are that. The faithfulness of God through the generations of those who trust. Rebecca says, I will obey. And her She is blessed, and this shared blessing knits her and Isaac together. God reveals his will, and his people obey. And so not only how is God calling you to trust him, but what is it that God is calling upon you to obey him in? You know, obedience is a necessary part of the Christian life. We understand that. What is God calling you to obey him in that so far you have tried to, you know, push off or push back a little bit? I'm not ready for that. I don't know about that. God is, through His Spirit, working in our lives constantly to call us into conformity to Christ, and that necessarily means obedience. What is God calling you to obey Him in today that you will understand as living under providence a good thing to do? How will you obey God today? Living under providence means trusting in God. Living under providence means obeying God. But it also means, as we pick up this closing scene in verse 62 through the end of the chapter, it means also rejoicing in God's providence. We trust it, we obey it, we also rejoice. This, this closing scene, you can maybe, maybe imagine it as something from a, a, an ending scene of a movie. Rebecca is approaching with the caravan of people who have come back from Abraham's homeland. Isaac is alone by himself in the field and and he's praying. Maybe he was praying that that God would deliver uh, the woman for him. And she sees him far off. She asks the servant if that's him. In verse 65, you find this detail that she pulled her veil, which was a, a, a symbol of of, uh, of, of willingness, of, of matrimony. She was to be Isaac's bride, and she embraces this. She pulls her veil. And the servant goes ahead to meet Isaac in the field and tells him the story of what happened in his father's homeland. I went there, and I found this woman. Too. She's so faithful. She's so godly. She is perfect for you. And Isaac looks upon Rebecca and she sees her from far off. She's, she's beautiful and faithful. She's trusting. She's committed. And, and this is the story of God providing for the next generation of Abraham's family. A wife for Isaac. A new matriarch for Israel because Sarah has died. 
and all of the loving relationship that Abraham and Sarah has enjoyed. Abraham has prayed for his son to have that as well, and, and it will be fulfilled through this godly woman, Rebekah. And it says of Isaac that he loved her. She became his wife, and he loved her in covenant faithfulness, and he was comforted at the end of the chapter at his mother's death. What's happening? You know, because I said there are our individual lives and there is the big story that's over everything, isn't there? I mean, for as many people are in the room right now are as many stories that are constantly unfolding and yet there is one story over everything. In the, in the narrow view, the, the individual story of Isaac's life, God through his providence is providing for Isaac and for the future generation of Isaac's family, a wife, a mother, a woman of godliness, a new matriarch for Israel. God is comforting Isaac in his loneliness as he's lost his mother. God is caring for Isaac in Isaac's individual life. And yet, in the big picture, what God is doing is that he is making sure that the story of salvation is going to continue. God's salvation is not going to find a dead end at Isaac's generation. There will be future generations. There will be future offspring, all leading ultimately to, of course, the person of the Lord Jesus. This is his family story. And by faith, it's our family story as well. And they demonstrate to us what living life under the providence of God looks like. Isn't it amazing? That God could at the exact same time be caring for Abraham's family and Laban's family and everyone on the earth at the exact same time. Think about it this way. It's amazing, isn't it, that God can in the exact same moment uphold the entire universe, continue the plan of salvation, care about Isaac and his Sorrows care about Rebecca and her future, care about every single one of us in our needs and in our desires. This is the God of providence, the God of providence who rules this world with a fatherly hand, who looks after his world, and who looks after your life, living under the fatherly hand of a God of providence calls you to trust him, calls you to obey him when and where he calls, and he calls you to rejoice in all of his goodness to you. As Isaac and Rebekah do and will do through the generations, on to the Lord Jesus Christ, and so may we by his grace. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that through your sovereign mercy, you rule this world with a fatherly hand and by it care for your creation. You provide for us in, in history, in nature, and in our individual lives. You know us, you love us, you care for us. So Lord, help us, help us to trust and obey and rejoice in all your works. And when things don't make sense and when we have so many questions, remind us that you are the God who is able to nurture us in our fears. We pray in the power of Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, 
please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.